Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. We're supposed to get bigger. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to enlarge. This is the reality of life. I think of my boys. My youngest now is 13. McDonald's marry older. I said it's what we do. My wife's two years older than me. It still works 14 to 13. It's okay. We can do that. But my youngest is 13, and he's towering over his mother now. He's on his way to catch up to his dad. My 17-year-old is like this tall. You know, before we come to church, I try to give him a hug, but he's 17 and doesn't want to hug me too much. And and he's like towering over me now and taller. My 18-year-old is definitely rounder than me. Uh, We're the same height, but he's got like eight kilos on me. You know, this is what happens our kids grow. Again, I remember when my 18-year-old was in my hand. I remember when Joshie was just so tiny and so small when, I, when, I first gave, when Wendy first gave birth to him. But he gets bigger. We're created and made to get bigger. I remember when I first came and, and preached at City Point Redcliffe when City Point first took Redcliffe on. Uh, I don't think all of our Sunday services added together were what we have here on a Sunday night. I look at the renovations, I look at the enlargement of car park, I look at the enlargement of influence, I I look at what City Point Redcliffe was then and what it is now. It's bigger, its influence is bigger, its its significance is bigger. This is what we are created to do. We're created to enlarge, we're created to get bigger, we're created to stretch, we're created to continually grow in who we are as people. We go back to the very beginning, God says, let there be light. We see a big bang, an explosion, an enlargement of the universe, expansion right across. Scientists tell us that there was an expansion from nothing to this great expansion of what we see in the universe today. This is the way that the the world is outworked. This is the way the, the universe is outworked. This is the way that God outworks. Enlargement is one of the keys that God has for our lives. We are called and formed and made to enlarge. Again, I look at church world. I look at who we are as City Point, as a whole, but City Point Redcliffe I'm speaking directly to today. There is a, a reason to enlarge because we're not just called to come and enjoy great services. As a church, we're called to transform a city. That is the mandate of our church. Our senior pastor came 20 plus years ago and made a statement that Brisbane would be the city of God. There is a mandate on who we are, and that mandate is transformation. That mandate is enlargement. Pastor Wendy and I, nine years ago, went to City Point West. When we went there, God spoke so clearly to me, not that I would build a church, not that I would have great services, not that we would do community work. God said this, in 20 years' time, the western suburbs of Brisbane will be different because you are there. I felt it so clearly, and that takes enlargement. The enlargement of West is huge. The significance that what we, where we were and where we are now is so unbelievably larger. But that isn't enough for what God has for us at City Point West. And I know he's not finished with City Point Redcliffe. I know there's so much more. And that's why this message today of being bigger is so important to you as an individual, for you as a family, but so important for this church, this location, and what God has called City Point Redcliffe to be. We need to enlarge. We need to get bigger. One of the challenges of getting bigger is the stretch. It's uncomfortable. 
my son is 13 and growing quickly and, and he wakes up in the morning. My, my bones are hurting because of the stretch, the enlargement. It's what happens as we enlarge. I know sometimes the stretch in church is tough. You know, we've had leaders that have come to us and struggling. You know, Pastor Tim and Wendy, we used to hang out with you every weekend. We used to be always together. But now we see you once a month, once every two months. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Church has got bigger. We've got bigger in our worlds. I'm, I'm so sorry that that's the case. But look what we're doing. Can you keep growing with us? Can you keep enlarging with us? Can you keep influencing with us? Because there's a stretch. It's uncomfortable. It's a stretch of who we are. Sometimes that stretch is tough to see. And sometimes we don't notice it until we look back. Maya doesn't look every morning and go, I've got taller. She doesn't do that. But when she looks back at baby photos, she's like, oh my goodness. I was a cute little baby. Now I'm a beautiful woman. Oh my goodness. She sees that when she looks back in, in the outworking. But sometimes we don't realize that we've enlarged and we've grown as much as we have. It's an odd thing. I, I think of my spearfishing. I, I was uh, recently, I had issues with my boat. So I started swimming off, offshore when I was spearfishing down at a place called Kingscliff. And I started there spearfishing 18 years ago, swimming off the beach. And I didn't have a boat back then, and we'd just swim out and we'd shoot fish off the beach. And I, I actually swam over a, a patch of sand that was six meters deep. And I, it went back to my memory to when I first started spearfishing, thinking, gee, I wish I could dive that deep and lay on the sand. And in my thinking back then was like, that is so deep. You know, fast forward 18 years, I've shot fish in over 50 meters of water on a single breath, just held my breath, swam down 50 meters, shot fish. Yeah, top of the roof up here is about six meters. I've shot fish at 50 meters. Now, the enlargement is huge. It's incremental. It takes time to learn and to outwork that. But the stretch sometimes is tough. When I first started diving over 30 meters, your lungs are getting squished. The, the eight-liter lung capacity is now about a liter because it's squished and blood's filled into your chest cavity. And that whole feeling is weird and, and odd. That's what happens when we stretch and we grow. We have these weird, strange feelings of life. I think back to when I was a kid. I was born in a small country town called Lansdowne. You know, when I was young, Lansdowne was big. I went to Lansdowne Public School, and I think Lansdowne Public School probably had 50 kids in it when I was there, but it felt big. You know, when I was about eight, we moved into Taree. Taree had 12,000 people in it from Lansdowne of about 400 now to Taree of 12,000. Taree felt like it was massive when we first moved to Taree. And I went to Taree West School. That felt like it was huge with all its 300 students. You know, from, from Taree, I moved to Sydney. Now, let me just say, flat top and mullet moving to Sydney was, oh my goodness, this place is crazy big. This place is huge. You know what I'm saying? When you grow and you see an enlargement, Sydney's massive. A couple of years ago, Wendy and I went to New York. We went and stayed with a friend of mine who has, his parents own a, uh, um, a unit looking over uh, the what's Central Park, Upper East Side Manhattan. And uh, we went and stayed with them. We walked through Central Park. We went down into Times Square. We walked through New York. You know what? New York makes Sydney look tiny. When you're trying to walk through the streets, and all you're doing is holding your wallet because there's so many people bumping into you on your phone. And you're just like, am I getting pickpocketed right now? Because it's just so many people, so big. The buildings are massive. The place is huge. 
you know, we, we don't realize that things are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's what we're called to do, get bigger. I want to speak to that tonight, if I may. Because sometimes the question is, how do I get bigger? How do I grow with Pastor Sam and Carolina? How do I grow with City Point Church? How do I grow with City Point Redcliffe? How do I keep enlarging? And how does my influence grow? How does my family life grow? How do I grow as an individual in amongst this whole deal? How do I grow my leadership? How do I enlarge in who we are? I want to give you four thoughts tonight. How we grow, how we enlarge in our lives, from my life a little bit, from who I am and what I've understood about growing and enlarging and getting bigger in who I am. My first thought tonight is a very simple one, is that we have to start to dream bigger. If you're going to get bigger, you've got to dream bigger. Because everything that we achieve starts with what we can see. Everything we do starts with what we can see before us. If you can't see bigger, you will never get bigger. If you can't see, you'll never get there. We need to see bigger to be able to get bigger. You know, I was uh, a little while ago, I went and preached out at Roma at a men's conference. And uh, when I went and spoke at this men's conference at Roma, I was, I, I was out there as a, as a guest speaker, but there was also a second guest speaker to come out and speak. He was a psychologist, super smart guy. Now, we got on one of those little planes together. You know, the, you know the, the ones with the, what do you call those things? Propellers, the propeller planes. One of those tiny little ones. Yeah, one of those Cessna ones. We got on it together. So it was like me and him, and we're flying out to go and speak at Roma. And so we started speaking and, and talking on the way out there. You know what, over the sort of hour and a half flight out to Roma, we, as we're talking, I started to realize this guy is flipping smart. He's talking about all this stuff, and I was just telling him I'm a pastor in Anala, and he's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. What are you doing there? That's a crazy place. And he's like, we had, you know, a whole bunch of clients come from Anala, and they're always hard work, and it's, you know, tough. And he was, I'm like, tell me something I don't already know. I get that. It's cool. And he's starting to go, oh, this is the brain issue, this is blah, blah, blah. He's telling me all this stuff that I was like, wow, just, you know, some of it was going over my head. Some of it I had to go and read afterwards so I can just work out what the guy was talking about. He was super smart. I got off and I'm like, man, I've got to preach with this guy. This is going to be a bit crazy. This guy's super smart. He's going to be talking about, you know, men's mental health and, and talking about a whole bunch of stuff that some of it I don't even quite understand. You know, a little bit intimidating, honestly. You know, we get in a car, we drive out to where we're staying, and we're both staying together with this old couple uh, at the farm where this, this men's camp was. And we walk into the farmhouse, and at, at the front door, they had, you know, one of those 3D images. It's like a, a sort of like a greeny, red, um, different image. And you look at it, it looks like a blur, but you sort of twist your eyes funny, and something pops out of it. Well, I walked in there, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, one of those things, they're really cool. I looked at it, and I'm like, boom, pops out. There's three planes on that image. I'm like, that's really cool. And I said to the lady, I'm like, I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid. How awesome is that? There's those three planes. This guy comes past, and he has a look at it. And he looks, and he looks, and he looks, and he looks. And he stands there for half an hour. He's like, I can't see anything. You know what? I was going, this is sort of cool. <laughs> Smart guy can't see anything. We stayed there for three days. You know, for three days, nearly every time I walked past it, he's standing there looking at this stupid photo. Mate, when we're about to get in the car and drive back to the plane, guess where old mate is standing? In front of that thing. He's like, I can't see it. I walk past I'm like, I can see it. I'm like, five meters away, I can still see it. I'm like, 10 meters away, I can still see it. I'm outside the door. I can still see it. You know what's going on? I can see that thing. He was there for three days and he couldn't see it. 
He struggled to see it. You know, we can be like that in life. We, we just go through life and people cast vision. Pastor Sam says, you know what? I can see Redcliffe being one to Jesus Christ. I can see the peninsula being turned upside down. I can see this room filled 10 services a day. I can see God just doing miracles in people's lives. And some of us sit there and go, can't see it. Can't see it. I can hear you saying it, but I can't see it. I can hear what you're talking about, but I can't see it. If we're going to get bigger, we've got to dream bigger. We're going to allow the dreams to be enlarged in our life and enlarged in who we are because it's twofold. It's the ability just to be able to look and see it, but sometimes the ability in our spirits to see it. You know, when Wendy and I were in New York, God did something in me that was huge. We're in New York, and and, uh, my friend who we stayed with was actually over here finishing his university course and uh, when he was over here, he, he spearfished a lot, and he, he messaged me, and through a mutual American friend, he messaged me and said, hey, can we go spearfishing together? So I started hanging out with him, really enjoyed his company, great young guy, so we spearfished every week together, and we hung out heaps, he come and stayed at our house a bunch, and uh, we just hung out with him a lot. I, I never realized that he was wealthy, I just hung out with him, and, and we just got on really well. He was only a young guy, he was only like 25, and... Uh, and when he went back to America to work, he messaged me. He's like, man, if you're ever in America, come and stay with us. And we talk often on the phone. We talk often uh, just keeping in contact. And so we were over preaching at, at City Point Noco. And we thought, oh, let's just chuck a couple extra days uh, on our trip. And we'll fly into New York. For, for Wendy, it was like a 24-hour period. For me, it was like a week because I went spearfishing in New York with him. Uh, but Wendy and I, we got like the overnighter from, from um, Noco. We, we, uh, we flew into, uh, into New York. And he's, he's like, I'm at work, just go um, grab an Uber, go to a house, my mum will be there, and she'll organise you guys for the rest of the day. So I'm like, okay, cool, and I just gave the guy, the Uber driver, this is where we're going, so he, he took us there. When we got there, I, again, I did not realise that he was affluent. Upper East Side Manhattan isn't the poor end of town. It, it is the wealthy end of town. His, his, out, looking out his, his dining room window, you can see right across Central Park. So we go in there. And his mum's like, you know, the maid's cleaning the house. And his mum's like, oh, hey, great to have you with us. You know, what do you want to do today? I'm like, I don't know. Like, we've never been to New York before. What's there to do? She's like, here's tickets to the Met. Go down to the Met. You can go into the Metropolitan Museum and check it all out. Uh, here's tickets to go to uh, the zoo. So we walk into the Met. We'll check out the Met. Here's tickets. We're going and go to the zoo and she's like, meet us uh, at this sushi restaurant in, in town. So we walk right down through Central Park. We go to the Met. We go to the zoo. We go into, into, uh, into the main part of New York. And I actually bumped into another spearfishing mate of mine. And we caught up and hung out. And he's like, where are you going to? And I'm like, oh, we're going to this sushi restaurant. He's like, oh, man, I hope you're not paying. I'm like, Why? He's like, man, it's like the most expensive sushi restaurant in New York. I'm like, oh, wow. So I hope I'm not paying too then. Um, <laughs> Now, we, we go down to the sushi restaurant, we have sushi, and at the end, there's like a $1,000 bill. And like the whole family's there, and I'm just like, what the heck? My mate just pulls out his platinum American Express. Thank you, pays for that. All right, I figure we're going back home. And you're like, no, no, we're going now to, uh, what do you call that thing? The theater, what do we call, what's a theater down there called? Broadway, we're going to Broadway. We're sitting second row at a Broadway show. And Wendy's just like, ah, this is awesome. Sitting next to his mom. And, and his girlfriend, and we're just like, this is, well, I wasn't. Wendy's like, this is amazing. And I was like, this is all right. My wife's excited, so it's amazing. 
know, we go back home next morning. They they pay for us to go down and and go into the uh, tower with the lady holding that thing. You know what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Statue of Liberty. They pay for us to go and do all that. Wendy comes back, catches an Uber to the airport, flies home. Uh, I meet my mate and we go spearfishing at Long Island, and I go and stay with him in his rented unit that they rent for summer uh, to just go up and holiday every weekend and go spearfishing. You know, I got on a plane to fly home and for the whole way home, I was blown away by the affluence. I was blown away. My mate's telling me, oh, my sister's got horses and it costs us a million dollars a year just to have horses. And my dad used to earn huge amounts and he's first year out of uni telling me how much he's earning. I'm just like, you know, my jaw's on the ground. I got home and it took me months to really get my head around this picture of affluence that people that are unbelievers that don't even have Jesus in their life have a better understanding of prosperity that I, than I do in my life. And I walk back into Anala and start to preach prosperity, but yet I still don't understand the blessings that God genuinely can have for my life. It took me years to, come, to really come to terms with it, to actually see bigger, and I'm glad that I got to see bigger. Use people that don't know Christ to help me see bigger. We have to actually get to a place where we see bigger. But bigger than that, we also have to dream bigger and enlarge our vision for what God can do through us. What God can do in our lives. You have great visionary leaders in your world. You are blessed with wonderful visionary leaders who have been friends of ours for 20 plus years. And I'm so grateful for them in my life, but also I'm so grateful for them as the location pastors here. It's really important for visionary leaders to be in the house. For Wendy and I, we are visionary leaders. We have a vision to see Anala, see the western suburbs of Brisbane turned upside down for Jesus Christ. We have vision to see the western suburbs that is bound in poverty, bound in brokenness, bound in despair, bound in generational poverty, generational welfare, bound in generational abuse, bound in generational addiction, to see those things broken over the western suburbs of Brisbane. I have dreamed that that is the, what God has called us to do. And it's a dream that didn't just start nine years ago. It's a dream that started when I encountered Jesus Christ 25 years ago. In fact, 25 years ago, when I encountered Jesus, I had three hours of being slain in the Spirit where dreams and visions and, and things spoke to my life and spoke to me so strongly that when I got up, I'm like, I'm going to do something great for God. I'm going to do something significant. I saw African people. I saw ministering to African people. And I saw us seeing people wonder Christ and lives transformed. You know, about five years ago, I was in church and I was worshiping God. And I just turned around in the middle of a service. And I looked behind me and that image popped back to my head. As I saw a service filled with African people at City Point West, I had this image that I'd go overseas but I was in West and I was standing there and the vision was the vision I had 20 years earlier. If you can't see it, you'll never achieve it. We've got to dream bigger. God put a dream in my life right now at City Point West. We had an African celebration last year and there was 18 African nations represented just in, in City Point West. 18 African nations, just African nations. God gave me that dream 20 years earlier. 25 years ago, I saw it. And because I saw it there, I could see it now. What do you see? 
What do you see in your world? What is there for you to dream about? What is there in your life? If you can't see it for your business, you'll never grow to it. If you can't see it for what God's leading you to in your family life, if only seeing brokenness and that's all you can see, that's all you'll live. A young man by the name of Joseph, he had a dream. He went and spoke it to the people around him. They tried to shoot it down. They tried to rob it and steal it. But we look on in his life as a young man, he began to grow and he began to enlarge and begin to get bigger. And the dream stayed with him until he stood there before his brothers and the outworking of the dream was fulfilled. He held on to that dream all the way through his tough, broken life. He kept holding on and holding on and holding on. I'll be honest, there's been days at City Point West that I wanted to quit. I wanted to run away. I wanted to say that dream's too tough. That dream is too difficult. I've had enough of this. This is too difficult. But when we hold on to the dreams and we keep seeing them, keep seeing them, there's a lot of dreams still to be fulfilled. Pastor Sam talked about our marketplace. You know, I saw that marketplace five years ago. Five years ago, I tried to buy that building. Five years ago, I tried to buy that block. I tried to buy five other blocks in the middle of those five years. And I felt God shut every single one of those things down. And all of a sudden, last year, this block comes up and we buy it for $900,000. And now it's valued at $2.5 million. I had a dream. I saw that place ministering to people. You know, last week we gave away 25 tons of fruit and vegetables and bread in that place. 25 tons. I had a dream. I saw that. I saw people coming into there. Our, Our national chairman... Pastor Ross Abraham from INC came through this week and he's just jaw on the ground going, this place is unbelievable. Ross, I dreamed about it. I saw this place. I saw what God could do in it. Now, there's been a lot of hard work to make that dream come to pass. Talk about that further, but I had a dream first. I would love to say the dreaming's over, but it's not. In the western suburbs of Brisbane, I see a school there for reaching young indigenous kids that are struggling with their learning and right now getting kicked out of school at 16 because they don't need to stay there any longer. I see a place that's educating those kids and leading them past the generational poverty, leading them past the brokenness of their life, leading them past the welfare mentality that has existed there for a long period of time. I have a dream for that to happen. I know there's a lot more hard work till that happens. But if I don't see it, we'll never achieve it. I have William Booth's vision on my wall, and it was a vision not just for city transformation, but it was for nations transformed. I put that on my wall, and I look at it every day to remind me to keep dreaming bigger, that we can do so much more. You've got to start with a dream. You've got to begin to dream big. God, do something big. Second step from that point, we dream big, now we've got to pray big. I'll be honest, sometimes my prayer life is really weak. Sometimes my prayer life exists with God, can you please get my kids through this next couple of weeks of school? God, can you help me not murder my son? God, can you help me not murder some of these other kids that we bring into our family that right now I want to strangle? God, can you just help me to sleep tonight? I've had moments when I've been in church services like this, and it's been six months, so I almost forget about it, but I've had moments where I'm like, God, can you please just make that sound guy fix that hum in the freaking speaker? Dear Jesus, can that feedback not pierce my eardrums today? Please, in Jesus' name. You know, sometimes our prayer life's so weak, eh? 
so small. Dear Jesus, Aunt Ethel's budgie is about to die. Can you please heal that budgie? God cares about Aunt Ethel's budgie. He definitely cares about not having feedback in my sound system. But I tell you what, he wants us to ask bigger prayers than those things. Ask bigger prayers. Pray bigger prayers. Scream bigger prayers. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those loud prayers. I've got a good mate of mine, he's Nigerian, and uh, he always tells me, he's like, Tim, I think you are African. Uh, it's like you eat hot, spicy food all the time. In fact, you eat hot, spi- more hot and spicy food than he does. So when we get and pray together, you shout louder than me. I've got young girls in our world, and every time they're going out with boys, I'm like, who is that boy? You introduce him to me right now. He's like, you are an absolute African father. There's no doubt about it. A loud shouter. Demanding in the spirit. God, you've got to move in my region. God, you've got to transform these young people. God, you've got to move in this church. God, there's revival poured out here. Demand in the spirit. Why? Because the Bible is real clear to pray big prayers. Listen to what Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 says. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. I don't feel like God's saying, can you just ask for the budget to get healed? I don't feel like God's saying, can you just ask to pray that you would sleep tonight? God's saying, ask of me and I'll give you something big. I will give you something great. You know what that says to me? My city, my, my western suburbs of Brisbane is, is the nations of the world. I sat in our civic center right at the end of our street is a shopping center the other day with a young African youth leader and we sat there together and we're talking about youth and how we'd come back to youth and what we're going to do I sat there for two hours and I saw three white people walk past me for me this is God saying right now ask and I will give you the western suburbs of Brisbane ask and it'll be yours ask and the nations is yours what is your big ask today are you asking big or are you happy just to say, God, can you scrape me through today? The most selfish prayer I can ever pray, give me enough that I can just survive. God doesn't want us to ask to survive. He wants us to ask that we would see a nation transform, that we would stand and see our city be the city of God. Can you ask big? You have leaders that ask big. Sam and Caroline ask big. They stand before God. They make declarations for this region. They say, God, give us the peninsula. God, give us Redcliffe. God, give us Scarborough. God, give us this region. Give us North Lakes, my God. They ask big. Can you ask big with them? When you come and pray, don't just stand beside and just listen to little prayers. Listen to the bigness of their prayers, the largeness of what they're asking for, and pray it with them. Come into agreement with bigness. Say, God, I want to be bigger. My prayers continually, give me Glenala High School. I want revival in one of the worst schools in Brisbane. I want revival in that school. Come on, God, give me revival right now in Forest Lake. My God, I know we are far from that. I know there is mess. I know there's broken, brokenness. Give me revival. God, I want QUT. Give it to me, Lord. I want it now. I want to see university students getting their minds turned around and the reality of Jesus Christ coming alive on the inside of them. God, give me workplaces right across the western suburbs of Brisbane. God, give me the places where there is poverty right now and turn it on its head and let's see God bring blessing to these regions, Lord Jesus. Let's ask big. He doesn't want us to ask small. 
I know you feel selfish asking big, but you're not selfish. You're coming into line with what God has for your life and what he has for your church. Next, you've got to try bigger. You've got to try bigger. You know, I've got a 13-year-old son, and I'm one of those pusher dads. I can't help it. My wife's up at me all the time. Stop pushing those boys. Stop pushing those kids. You know, I, I'm, I'm a pusher dad. You've got to be bigger and better. My, my son, when he was young, was, was scared of spiders. Uh, we killed a big huntsman in our house. So I'm like, all right, now you're going to hold it in your hand. It's dead. It's not going to bite you. You hold that spider. I've got photos on my phone of him holding that spider. And he held it. He's got comfortable with it. I'm like, okay, now lay down. I'm going to put it on your face. And I've got a photo on my phone of him laying with it on his face. You know what? He's way less scared of spiders now. Scared of his dad, but not, no, no kidding. You know, when he was real small, uh, his older brothers were like, we'd go to the quarry down the road from our house and we'd jump off like cliffs into the water. And he was like, ah, oh, freaking out. But you know what? When he was 10, he, his brothers and his dad pushed him, you could do this, you could do this. You know what? We go down there, he's 13 now. There's like grown men standing. I'm not jumping off that cliff. That's way too scary. Freaking out. You know, my son, he just runs and jumps straight off that thing. No fear. No fear. Because he's learned to try big. You know, sometimes we're standing on the edge of the cliff of trying something and we're so fearful. Sometimes we just need to try big, jump big. I think of Becky Lucas, a great friend of mine, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Becky Lucas, but she has this massive fear of sharks. Shark Week, if she watches Shark Week, she won't shower for the week. She's that fear that sharks are going to come out of the shower on her, you know. She's just fearful of sharks. For me, I feel like that's holding her back in life. I've, every time she comes to Australia, I'm like, this is the year. We're going to take you down. You're going to swim with a shark. No, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near the water. I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I had an experience just offshore here, actually. I launched my boat out of uh, Scarborough and, and headed out off Morton Island a couple of years ago. I had some mates from America over diving with me. And, uh, and I was, end of the day, we're diving at a place called Flinders Reef. Um, I was in the water. I was getting late. I was just trying to catch a couple of lobsters before we go home. And I found a hole that had like 10 lobsters in it. I was grabbing a whole bunch of them. And there was one left. And I was going to get that lobster before we go. And uh, my mate was on the surface. I was just diving down to get it. I've got a gun about this big for catching lobsters and a torch. That's what I've got in my hand. I start swimming down. I'm head first down, like swimming to the bottom. And uh, I can hear my mate on the surface start going, mm, making a loud noise. And uh, a couple of big fish had swum around whilst I was catching lobsters. And I thought, oh, maybe he's trying to get my attention to catch one of those. But uh, I just want to get this lobster and go home. So I keep swimming down. And I, and I hear him go, mm, mm, you know, making a louder noise. Like, I wonder why he's making a louder noise. You know, maybe it's a big, big fish. And uh, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to get this lobster. I was focused. I could actually see its antenna sticking out of the hole at this stage. And I'm like, no, nah, I'll just get that lobster. I hear him go, mm, mm. You know, I'm being really loud. I'm like, I probably should just look up just in case something's going wrong, you know. So I'm swimming down, and I turn my head up to look up like this. And when I look up, there is a five-meter great white shark swimming straight down at me like this. Fins out the side. And it was so close, I could see all the dots on its nose. I could see a tear mark from its nostril right down to its mouth where it's old healed scar. This thing was so freaking big. I, I got this little gun and a torch. I'm like, ooh, like put my torch and my little gun between me and this big white shark, big pregnant female white shark. Now, this thing wasn't coming aggressive at me. It was just drifting towards me. In fact, it was like 
arms out just looking at me when, when I first looked up. And again, it was close. It was like where Maya is, just like drifting down straight at me. I was a bit below it. And I'm like, whoa. And I turned and started spinning up and it just kept on drifting straight down underneath my fins. When it swam under me, like its body was just, you know, this wide across. Uh, and I just started spinning up, just going, oh, my goodness. My first thought was, oh, my goodness, that's a shark. But then it was so beautiful and placid. My second thought was, I haven't got my camera on my head. I can't believe it. I had a headache and I took my camera off. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have a camera. This would have been awesome if I had a camera. It, swam, it just come underneath me. Its tail knuckle, where just the tail joins the body, was like this big, just going, swimming under me. I hit the surface and I'm yelling out. I just yelled out, camera, give me a camera. My mate's on the surface going, swear words, lots of swear words, come here with the boat. Uh, you know, the boat come flying over and it actually spooked the shark and its tail, literally its tail got that big, just like, whoa, whoa, like, and swam away. And I didn't get to film it. And I was like, you know, I, I drove home in the boat. I got home. And I was just like buzzing. I rang Wendy straight away. I'm like, you won't believe what I saw today. I saw this white. It was so amazing and cool. And Wendy's like, you're an idiot. I hate you. You know, that was 18 months ago, and it's still that, that first image of, wow, it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And one of the greatest experiences I ever had. How many great experiences do you not achieve to grow and enlarge because of fear? Go and read Hebrews 10 11. I haven't got time to do that tonight. Hebrews 10 11 says, by faith, by faith, by faith. Not by fear, by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, try. By faith, step out. By faith, sow. By faith, achieve something great. By faith, get involved. By faith, be a part of the youth team. By faith, be a part of the young adults. By faith, serve in the house of God. By faith, get involved here. By faith, they stepped up and they tried something. By faith, start that business. By faith, ask that girl out tonight. By faith, do something great with your life. Except for my, I should be taken by my boys. By faith, do something great. William Huizinger said this, some people dream of success while others get up every morning and they make it happen. Start somewhere. Start with something. Start with your big try. What is your big try? Is it just getting involved? Is it just doing something with your life? I want to be honest. Every dream that we've outworked at City Point West has taken a heck of a lot of sweat and a heck of a lot of pain. If I go back to look at our marketplace, that marketplace took me working seven days a week for four months, building Preaching, building, preaching, building, loving on people, building, going to youth, building every day, working hard, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, coming home some nights at 10 o'clock at night. It took a lot of sweat. It took a lot of prayer and a lot of fasting. I've dropped two pant sizes in the last year. I've gone from 32 to 28 from prayer, fasting, and hard work. But dreams come to pass when you try big. My final thing is this, make others bigger. If you want to get bigger, make others bigger around you. Call others to more. Nothing makes us growing, grow more than calling others to be more. Nothing makes us greater than calling others to be great. I look at the Apostle Paul, he speaks to young Timothy, he says, young Timothy, come on, move now. God's done great things in your life. There's prophecies concerning you, he says in Timothy uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. In 1 Timothy 4, he goes on further and says this, don't let people despise you. You're a great, young man. You know, I love calling people to be bigger. I love it. 
I love walking into an aula and speaking to young teenagers that know nothing more than brokenness, poverty, and despair and saying, you know what, Tremond, you can be greater. You can be more. I know in your 16 years, 10 of those years, your dad was in prison, but Tremond, you can be bigger and better than that. You can do something incredible with your life. I love that. It's one of my greatest joys. Joshy Young, I know your dad and you, the way you hang out is to sit and smoke pot and do those things, but that's just not going to be your life. Your future is bigger than those things. It's bigger than the mess that you know. Can you make somebody bigger? If you want to be bigger, who can you pull around you to be bigger? You know, most mornings, I'm a location pastor, pastoring hundreds and hundreds of people. Most mornings, I'm usually picking up kids and taking them to school, all the way to school. Come on, man, you can do this. I know you want to quit. I know it's grade 11. I know it's tough. You can do this. You can get through it. And people said to me, Tim, why do you do that? I do that because I believe in what I'm trying to achieve. I believe in the dreams that God has given me. And I believe in the young people that are a part of those dreams. I've got a million things to do with my time. But I do that because all the time I'm just saying, you can be bigger. Oh, PT, giving us another lecture. Yeah, I am. That's what I do. It's how I roll. It's what dad's doing. Never had a dad giving you a lecture, but I'm going to give you one. You can be better. Listen today. Learn today. Get to school tomorrow. Stay all day. Don't fake sick and get out of there. Can you call someone to be bigger? I want to close with some simple thoughts. How do we practically do this? Encourage somebody. Cheer someone on. When they do something good, say, well done. It's un-Australian. Most Australian ways to do something good, you're a loser. Maybe you just help someone else take the credit for your ideas. Just cheer someone else on when they outwork what you ask them to do. You know, when these kids do that, I'm often like, that is brilliant. Well done. I've been seeding that in your life for six months, but I'm glad you come up with that. Let someone else take the credit. Maybe in the team that you're involved in, shout someone else out in that team and tell them how great they are in front of the rest of the team. Look for potential. One of the greatest ways you can make others bigger is look for potential. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's a tiny seed, a mustard seed right now. But look for that potential. Rona Hedrick said this, empowered people aren't concerned about competing with anyone. They're too busy empowering others we empower others sometimes we get our self-worth from pulling people down but if you want to be big listen get your self-worth from making others bigger I look at ministry you know I was a youth pastor and I handed a youth ministry on to a couple that grew it even larger than me and I always cheered them on I never went well they got it easier than I did they got this they got I always cheered them on I look at Sam and Kay. Everywhere we've gone in ministry, I always wanted them to be there. I always wanted to cheer them on. We ran together for many years because I want them to continue to grow. I look at City Point West. I pray in the years to come that people aren't saying, well, Pastor Tim did this, Pastor Tim did that. I'm praying they're saying this. Stephen Lydia did that. Tim and Bell did that. I pray they're always shouting down what the others have done. 
because that is the greatest gift I have as a leader. Greatest gift. If you're a businessman here today, take that for your business. If you're a boss, for leading people. It's a powerful outworking of being bigger and being larger in your world. I feel like God's calling us to be bigger. Let me just wrap this up and pray, hey. Thank you, Jesus. Bigger. We need to be bigger, God, because there's a city that's still dying in despair and brokenness and loss. Still dying without Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.